The Courage to Lead, Episode 74. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. Um, I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Uh, please help me welcome Fred Wakefield. Fred Wakefield is Chief Sales Officer for QTAC Fire and Rescue. He resides in Gilbert, Arizona, where he also maintains a consulting business, working with various companies focusing on growth and development strategy and implementation, along with process improvement. After eight years in the National Football League, six with the Arizona Cardinals and two with the Oakland Raiders, Fred moved into the corporate world. He has worked with various companies across many verticals, including financial services, healthcare, cybersecurity, manufacturing, and college athletics. Fred and his wife, Casey, have three teenage children, son, Jameson, and two daughters, Carly and Emma. Fred, welcome to the show. Thanks. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm coming to the realization that one of those teenagers is going to be a 20-year-old soon, so it's kind of throwing Holy me off a bit. But, yeah. Um, my daughter is getting married in, in October, so that's... Nice. Everybody asks me, so how old is she now? It's like, I don't want to talk about that because that tells me how old <laughs> I am. But uh, yeah, so we're excited. Hopefully, she's out in California, so we'll see if COVID allows you know, for the wedding to go. No, I get it. So especially those girls, right? When people ask you how they're, just like count the grays. It kind of gives you an idea of kind yeah. of how your yeah, age. You, you can see <laughs> the grays. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, so want to talk about uh, your background. Definitely want to touch on the National Football, um, your work at QTAC and some other stuff. But before we get started, I've got some questions for you. These are questions sure. that uh, my listeners know. Um, these are the same questions that were asked um, on the TV show Inside the Actor Studio, where host James Lipton asked this of the uh, Hollywood stars, TV stars, film stars uh, that were on his show. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. I like it. It's so, fun. Yeah. So I think it'll be good. So, Fred, question number one What is your favorite word? Uh, the favorite word right now that I've been really focusing on this year's grow. Um, I think that it's a. Uh, um, a problem guys have as they transition out of playing football, right? You kind of get stagnant and trying to figure out what's next. And uh, I had a coach once uh, that really brought that home in terms of what it means to keep growing and, and improving. So just that's probably been the key word now for a number of years, probably. Oh, it's oh, a good word. All right. What is your least favorite word? Uh, least favorite word has to do something along the lines of like can't. Uh, and I was challenged from an early time frame in sports, right? Kind of what was next. And so that's where things kind of really driven for me. Yeah. Um, what turns you on? Um, being challenged. I get, I get bored pretty easy. So I'm always looking for new things and trying to learn. And um, it's, it's kind of been one of my, my sticking points. Nice. What turns you off? Um, what turns me off? I don't know. I'm pretty open to a lot of different things, trying to learn. Um, if someone's going to bring a bunch of negativity, I think I struggle. Um, or if you're just kind of trying to compare yourself to everyone else around you, I think I struggle with those types of things. But for the most part, I'm pretty, pretty open-minded and easygoing. Good job. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? Um, you know what's funny is can I change it to a smell or is smell going to be a question? <laughs> no, that's good. Because uh, there's still, for me, being a football guy, there's still nothing like the smell of that fall cut grass. I mean, it's yeah. something that's still, I just got to chill thinking about it. 
So that's probably the one to stick out for me. Job. Okay. Then uh, what smell do you hate? Do I hate uh, anything burnt? Uh, which is funny now that I'm in fire, I'm around it every once while talking to some of these guys. And it's something that's it's, it's kind of, I think it's the reality of what something burnt is. So it's, it's, it's a little crazy to think about. Absolutely. Uh, question seven, what is your favorite curse word? You know, it's funny. Uh, I think I probably use um, the F-bomb to accentuate things a little too much. Uh, I'm actually working on that one, especially with teenagers. Yes. Uh, don't want them carrying it into the world as much. Uh, yeah. But I go back to like words that I really struggle with. And that's, and it's the word can't. I mean, it's something that's just kind of been in my face since I was a kid. Got it. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, I'm really working and looking into getting into coaching and mentoring. Nice. I've done some of that in the past around sports, obviously. Um, but I feel like I've learned a lot in the past 10 years transitioning from my previous career in life. And uh, I think I could probably add a lot of value. So I'm actually looking into doing that currently. Good job. It's easy. That was teed up for me. (laughs) What profession would you not like to do? Oof. So working with these firemen and getting to know some of these guys, uh, that is terrifying, right? To some of the pictures they've sent me of being in some of these wildfires and and the kind of experience they're going on, I don't think I'd be able to pull that one off. So. Not that I don't want to do it, but that is really, really frightening to even think about. Yeah. And they run towards it. Oh, they're like I mean, police officers. I got a run picture from yeah. some guys up in Reno that I know asking how they were doing. And they're like, well, it's about like this. And it's a picture of the truck with just flames everywhere. And I'm just, I, wow. I couldn't, I didn't even know how to respond to that. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. the reality of those guys and the bravery they have. So, I, absolutely. All right. Final question If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well done. Right. Well done. Um, you've built some other people up with you. You've uh, focused on others and um, good job. I mean, I stole that one from the afters, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's one of their songs. So that's excellent. Excellent. All right. So we're going to come back in just a couple minutes. We're going to talk about your background, how you got started, uh, your career in the National Football League, how you've transitioned into corporate America and uh, what's next for you. All right. Sounds so great. We'll be back right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I am back with my guest, Fred Wakefield. Fred, thanks again for uh, agreeing to be on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, I've been looking forward to the conversation. So tell me, how did you... Tell me about getting started. Uh, were you a good uh, sports kid in high school? Wow. That's funny. Um, so I was the kid that played sports because that's how you made friends. Okay. Uh, my parents were separated early, like second or third grade. And so I spent most of my summers at my dad's. And so when I would move and I'd be back in a town in the fall, I just learned that if you were playing football or you're around those, you basically had a built-in friend group. And, yes. and I really discovered that if you were really good at it, the people really liked you. And so it kind of gave me an extra little bit of oomph 
to kind of really really get after it so that's i mean yeah. i was not i tried to play baseball i was too tall and uncoordinated i mean at six seven i'm still 260 it obviously wasn't that tall and heavy at that point in time but yeah. baseball was a little tricky as a big strike zone so uh football and basketball were my sports and then track just helped it so i just kind of kept doing that and working through it and eventually discovered i had some god-given ability to uh to run fast and be a big person so i've been very blessed in that aspect Awesome. Uh, did you know you were going to be a football star? I mean, was that something you, you know, thought about as a kid? Uh, it's different now. You ask those guys that go to college and, and they go to college to go, they want to play professional football. I went to college to get a degree, right? I didn't, my, my parents would have been a lot harder for them to afford to get me to go to school like Illinois. Um, so really didn't have a clue. And then my sophomore or junior year of high school, I was playing varsity and all of a sudden started getting some letters and my, my, my high school coach hadn't been through that as much either. And so we kind of learned together what that looked like and how yeah. things were going to uh, progress. And, it, it, you know, that's kind of one of those things I think I've brought up can't or uh, had a lot of people kind of doubt what I'd be able to do as I kind of grew through it. I mean, a lot of people didn't think I'd be able to play at Illinois and up playing and playing very well. And people didn't think I'd be able to make it in the pros and played and played very well. And so I've just kind of always carried that, I'm not going to call it a chip, but just that uh, lack of confidence or respect, right? Into kind of everything I've done and just tried to grow through it. Awesome. So that so, was a long answer. No, I did not expect it. It just it kept working hard and eventually it worked out for the best. That's good. That's the best way to do it. Um, so six years with Arizona. Yep. That was awesome. And uh, a couple of years with the Oakland Raiders. Now, Oakland Raiders have always been kind of the bad boys. You know, Are they funny, still the bad boys? I was listening to a, a podcast. This has been a, a while now, and they were talking about the Raiders. And I don't know how it even came up. And um, I've got a buddy who does a bunch of podcasts and stuff, and he played for the Raiders. The, we, I remember when I was growing up, I was a I loved the Raiders. Right? I thought it was really cool. Um, you kind of had that crazy mystique of just nasty. And when I was coming up through football, that was how you played the game. I mean, I, I tell people every day, like off the field, nicest guy ever. Right? As soon as I crossed that white line. It was a little different, right? And so I always kind of admired their tradition. Uh, my couple's years there were some obvious down years, uh, but it was still, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it. Um, I do still have the helmet kind of with the other helmets in the background, yeah. right? I appreciated my time there and absolutely um, decided to come back to the Valley though once I was done. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Southern California. So we had the Rams for a long time and yeah. then we had the Oakland Raiders and always the Raiders, always the Raiders. That's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So what did you study in school? Uh, I was actually a kinesiology major, right? I thought I was going to be a chiropractor. Um, and as I got going through kind of internships and working on that, and then I was working and playing in the pros, what I discovered is uh, when I walked into a room, a lot of people didn't want me to put my hands on their <laughs> I'm about. At that point in time, I was like six, seven, anywhere between 290 and 310. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, that's probably not the best career choice. I probably won't get a whole lot of, a lot like of like a grizzly bear patient. working on you. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember I was doing an internship back in Champaign in one of my off seasons and uh, this little lady's in there. And as soon as the doctor and I walk in, um, she looks and she's like, he's not doing it. Right. And I remember being like, yeah, he's, I'm just watching. Uh, and that's when kind of reality started to set in. So th yeah. that was my hope. But the, the good thing about having that kinesiology degree is it really helped me through my athletic career, understanding mechanics and your body. Uh, Cause I went through a transition where I went in as a defensive line, moved to offensive line and then tight end. And then I was at the Raiders. I played all of them. 
Uh, and so understanding kind of mechanics and how your body works and how to gain and lose weight, flexibility and all those different things was really, really valuable. Now, do I use it much now? No, outside of being um, dad who tries to help the kids through sports, right? Sure. Just kind of understanding, but yeah, yeah. But it was fun. Awesome. And you were uh, <clears throat> one of the good guys that made the the transition into corporate. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of things, stories of other players who either didn't make a, a clean transition. You know, they had some issues going into it and stuff like that. And I don't know what causes that, but but you seem to make that transition pretty easy. Tell me about your your career, what you've done. Wow. It looked easy. I did a good job faking it. Um, <laughs> no, it's, I still tell my wife, so I've been out now over 10 years and um, I've had plenty of what we probably all refer to as learning experiences, right? Where there were some risks taken that didn't work out great or um, things that kind of pivoted as you were going through it. And I am still consistently trying to figure out what's next. Right. And I think that drive to figure out what's next is kind of what helps me keep working to look to succeed. Right. And uh, I mean, that's why I brought about the coaching piece. Uh, yeah. I thought I was dialed in coming out of the pros. Right. I thought I'd figured out what's going to happen and what was next. And uh, what I've discovered is if you don't embrace that idea of growth and keep trying to learn and challenge yourself, like it's, it's going to be harder and harder. So you know, we'll see what that looks like. Hopefully. And I've got a few friends I'm talking to and what that looks like and kind of getting out there and uh, trying to market it a bit, but eventually I'm going to be doing something in that realm just because it's, it's such a tricky challenge when you spend so much of your time focused on your craft yeah. I mean, you're, you're at the pinnacle of a profession, right? And so very rarely are you trying to pivot out of that spot when you're in there, right? If you're in any other industry, you're not trying to do that. But then as soon as you're done, you're done. Yeah. And as, as much as a lot of us would love to be Tom Brady or some of these guys that pick their transition time, most of us mm -hmm. aren't that person. And so you're kind of thrown into the fire to figure out what's next. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So... Yeah. But, but has your career, has that helped you? Um, cause I know you've done some work in sales. You've been in the financial area and stuff like that. Has that, that helped you build relationships with people? The sports part of it? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's funny. When I first got done, I, I was working at Northwestern Mutual, um, mainly because I saw those guys playing a lot of golf and taking a lot of vacations. I'm like, that must be a good gig, right? <laughs> Sounds good. But, but just like any of them, you've got to spend so much time building it. And if you're not committed to doing that, you're not going to be able to make it work. But I struggled early because I was trying to um, not talk about sports. Like I wanted to just sit and get to business and just regurgitate all those things that they were teaching me and all these great tools. And I realized that really hindered my, the doors that would open. And so now I've got enough. I mean, I'll, if you want to sit down and talk about it, we'll talk about it. Right. Yeah. But at some point in time, I'm going to pivot the conversation to what needs to happen. Oh, absolutely. I do. It's kind of point. The farther I've gotten away from it, the more I enjoy talking about it and yeah. kind of sharing, especially when the game's quite a bit different than when I played. So it's, it's fun to have those uh, gray hair moments where you can reflect <laughs> back when I played. Yeah. Back in my day. <laughs> so it was, it's good. Awesome. Yeah. And then uh, tell me about QTech. I love, I went out to the website and looked at some of the stuff you guys are doing. It's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Kind of my growth pattern as I got done playing is, okay, what do I do to keep learning and growing? I, early on, I just, I don't even remember what book it was at the time, but just lots of friends of mine. Uh, Brian McClure is a good buddy of mine and he's the managing partner. And I just, I kept seeing him read, right? And so I was always like, all right, what are you doing? Like, 
at that point in time, hated to read. My wife was always putting books in front of me. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to do this. Right. And it, as you keep learning, it kind of gets contagious. So went to Northwestern Mutual, learned a bunch there. Then I decided, okay, I need to take that next step. Went and got my MBA. Um, and early in that process, got to know a couple of professors pretty well. And they were like, hey, you think a little differently because you have a different background, right? Make sure you utilize that as you go out and about. And so as I've gone into each of these different careers, if it's been technology and cybersecurity or um, uh, insurances or whatever it's been, I've been trying to figure out how you can take different pieces from each of those markets. And so now over the past few years, I've just been working with different groups. I'm trying to find different ways to go to market and different ways to uh, find bigger leads and, and grow kind of that brand. And so I've got a buddy in that lived in Northern California for a number of years. And I was explaining to him kind of what I was thinking about and where my focus was. And he's like, I've got someone I want you to meet. So through COVID, I met with the leadership over there at QTAC and it's what you're always looking for, right? It's a great company with great people uh, that has a lot of upside. And so I was introduced and I had never been in the manufacturing space. And so that's been in more, a little bit more interesting uh, to kind of navigate growth on one end with supply on the back end, right? And so it's been, uh, it's been very interesting. And it's another one of those challenges that I'm, I'm really, really enjoying right now. I actually spent the last three or four days last week in uh, Indianapolis at big fire conference. And I hadn't been to one of those yet. And quite a, quite a difference going from a cybersecurity conference two years ago to a firemen chiefs and vendors conference. But, uh, it was really, really eye opening, and, uh, I enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah. No, like I said, I've, I've been out on the website looking at the, the vehicles, you guys build the, the special emergency response trucks, the skids, yeah. they go in the back of other trucks, right? Yeah, everything from UTV skids and truck skids, right? So you can put up to, I think, 100 gallons in the back of UTV, up to 400 gallons in the back of a truck with the pumps and hoses. And then over the past three or four years, we've really broken into the, what they refer to as brush truck or rescue truck world, right? So if it's anyone who's listening, it's an F-550 fire truck, right? So it's that world. And and when you're around them and you're riding them, they're uh, I, I told my wife, it's probably one of the more manly professions I've been in in a long time. So it's, they're, they're pretty cool. And it's, it's definitely a need, especially out West here. It's, you know, the wildfire uh, yeah. seems, seems to be growing more and more and more and more treacherous. And so I enjoy the aspect of, like I said, cool people, cool product, but the need is just so high. So it's, yeah. it's hitting all aspects. And California's getting hit pretty, pretty hard. With the well, yeah, so Arizona was hit hard up until monsoon season hit, yeah. right? And I think we still got a few popping up. Uh, mm-hmm. Reno's been getting hit. And then California, I mean, even just outside the door, uh, just north of Chico, mm-hmm. there was that Paradise Fire a few years yeah. ago. And now uh, they've had another one that's just decimated. Uh, it sounds like it's tore through the town pretty bad yeah. and it's been threatening other areas. So yeah. um, it's that's- funny, as soon as I get off here, I'm calling back in the first five or 10 minutes, usually checking to see how things are going back there. So it's yeah. crazy. That's the uh, Dixie fire, right? Dixie land yeah. fire. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. I think it's Dixie. Yeah. It might be Dixie land, but I think either way, Dixie. I know Dixie's in that. Yeah. yeah. That's bad. Well, uh, cruising around on the website, I, I looked at the talking about the, the company and they talk about their culture. And that's one thing that, that I am interested in is company cultures. Um, from the website, it says to succeed in business, we need to share a common set of values. And these are just a few things that drive our culture, innovate or die, yep. embrace change and look for ways to improve, obsess over the customer experience, mm-hmm. exceed customer product quality expectations. And the last one I love, 
quote, because we've always done it that way, end quote, is not in our vocabulary. It's funny, whenever I met with him, one of the first couple of times I'd done the same homework and I told him that last one, you know, the customer service, you love that, right? Yeah. That's, that's key in the world. But that last one of like, because we've always done it that way, I think that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves ever when you walk into a business, right? If yeah. you go into a business or you meet with a prospect or client and they start saying that out of the gate, I'm probably going to turn and run because yeah. it's, that, that just hinders growth. And it's so, closed-mindedness. It's absolutely yeah. closed-minded, yeah. But they are. I mean, there's a couple things that um, truck-wise we've been doing that are very innovative that have really started turning some heads now that we're kind of circulating that message over the past few months. And then uh, we've actually got a, another product that we're hoping to release soon that is very, very innovative and uh, hopefully creates a much better uh, or a much a very strong impact on kind of helping these people that are dealing with all these fires on a consistent yeah. basis. So, but yeah, those, it's funny you read through that because that's one of the first things I do when I, when I'm here the company, I'm trying to figure out, okay, do you have mission vision values and where do they sit and do Absolutely. they make sense? So, yeah. well, and then see, is it just in writing or do you actually live that? And you've been working with these guys for a while now. Do they actually live their values? For sure. I, I will tell you that we have not expanded to the East coast yet because of, we want to make sure our service is dialed in, right? I mean, we're going after the West Coast and these local areas, or I'm sorry, more regional areas, because that way we know that we can provide the service necessary. Uh, and on the innovation side, we are obviously very creative. I told you about the two things that we're working on now, but then uh, most of those trucks that we're talking about, the F-550s or you know whatever chassis you're going to put it on, we're, we work with the person to custom build all those. And so it's one of those like, you know, very rarely do we say, ah, oh, you can't really do that, right? Yeah. Unless it gets over the weight spec of the chassis, we're going to try to figure out a way to make it work for you. So yes. yeah, they've definitely been living a lot of those um, or all of those different values. So it's it's yeah. it's very refreshing. So Absolutely. No, it would be. And when I look at the, the values and uh, the statements on the website or in the company, you see things like honesty and integrity. Well, to me, those are table stakes. You know, like you go to Vegas, you go to Reno, you have to mm-hmm. have a certain amount of money to even sit at the table. Right? right. To me, if you don't have honesty and integrity, you shouldn't be in business. And so I hate when they pad their values with things like that. This is cool. I love this. Innovate or die. I like yeah. it because that's really the, the, the game in business. You have to keep innovating. You have to keep growing. That's why I, I always get a kick out of people who say, can I be honest with you? And you're like, oh, you'll be honest with me all the time. Yeah. What's the option? But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You mean you haven't been honest up to now? No, exactly. I'm like, that makes me nervous that you said that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so how many people do you have working for you directly at QTech? Uh, so I work with mainly the sales team, right? Okay. So we have three internal salespeople. Um, and then, uh, and so those are the ones I've worked with on a more of a consistent basis. But okay. most of the stuff I'm working on right now is strategy and just helping them. I mean, I would not even say they work for me. I mean, uh, my hope is that I'm equipping them with the right weapons and processes and um, information just to make things more more smoothly. Yeah. Uh, what I've discovered is Jason had done a really good job of hiring the people in there kind of for the roles necessary. And uh, we've got some great people that understand process and operations and another one that loves to pick up the phone, which I'll admit that's not my favorite thing to do. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so it's been good working with those different uh, personalities and traits and getting them, uh, just trying to hopefully help them kind of in that right direction. Cool. Well, if I was to bump into any of these people on the road and ask them about you and what type of leader you are, what, what would they say? 
What type of leader are you? Um, I would really hope they say I'm a leader that listens, but I'm also always trying to figure out the best way for those different people in the organization to succeed. Right. I mean, it's, everybody's got such great skill sets, uh, no matter who you are, you've got something you're good at. Right. And if you've been brought into a company, we've, we've obviously seen something that should work. Uh, I don't remember which book it is right off the top of my head, but you always look at it. And, and the worst thing you can do is put someone who's talented or a driver in the wrong seat. Right. And so, um, if you can put everybody in the business in an area where they have energy and they're excited about what's going on in that mission, then, then that's my ideal objective, right? If you can kind of just equip people in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it when businesses will hire somebody based on their skills, but then they'll micromanage them, tell them what to do, yeah. how to do it, which hand to use. It's like, yeah, let them do what they do. Yeah, give them the process and how it needs to be done and then let them figure it out, right? Yeah. It's, it's don't... I've also read this situation was like, all right, here you go. And you're like, Whoa, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Where do I fit? What's, what's my role here? And so uh, the mm-hmm. more you can uh, optimize kind of that process makes it even better, but we'll exactly. see. But it's going well right now. Good. That is awesome. So you've uh, through your football career, you probably work for some pretty good coaches and things mm-hmm. like that. Some pretty good leaders in industry down in corporate America and stuff like that. What do you look for in a leader? What's important? Um, well, first off, you, you've, um, your actions need to follow what you say, right? I mean, you, you brought that up, you know, if I'm sitting there and I'm seeing the website and we meet the first time, and then within the first three or four months, you're telling me the opposite, I'm going to be a little nervous. Yeah. Uh, the other ones that have really stuck out in my mind are the ones that you understand the plan, you understand the course and you stay this way throughout the process, right? You're understanding you're on the objective. The coaches that I struggled with are the ones that went too high with the highs and too lows with the lows, right? Because no one wants to follow someone who's just going to go off the rails and knee jerk reactions, right? They want those people who are steady, understand the course and are kind of equipping everyone to be better. I mean, if that's a football team, basketball team, whatever it is, you know, put people in the right places, give them the tools necessary to succeed. And then on game day, step aside, and then you can critique afterwards. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, same thing in business. I'm working with a client right now that, you know, you're, you have your core values and your business should have a set of core values, right? And you should teach your employees what those core values are. Cause I tell people, you know, we make our decisions based on our core values in business. You're making decisions. Mm -hmm. If you don't share those values with your employees, who knows what they're using to make their decisions. Right. So you want to teach them. These are the values. Here's the goal. Go achieve that. And if they get off course, you can come back and say, how does this support our goals? Or how does this, you know, fit within our goals? And if they say, well, you know, customer is everything. And I was trying to do what's best for the customer. It's like, okay, I see where you're going, you know, and I appreciate that. But next time I want you to do this. There doesn't have to be the highs and lows. You don't have to, you know, scream at people and throw things, right? You just trying to figure out that balance of, okay, I understand. And there's certain situations that are popping into my head right now, obviously, but let them try to get it done and figure it out and then coach them up afterwards. Right. Don't have every piece of paper feel like it's got to come through your desk. Everything, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be a constant check and balance. It's about, you think back to coaches that way, right? You mean if you play on Sunday, that coaching is happening Monday through Saturday. Right. right? And on Sunday, you've got to trust that you've done what you were supposed to do and you can't sit there and curse out every time they make a mistake. I mean, I think of some of the coaches I struggle with were the ones that, on Sunday, we're losing their minds. 
Yeah. Right. And you watch this now. So I live in the volleyball world now with daughters, right? So I've got a senior and a freshman volleyball player. And the coaches I really appreciate are the ones that on Monday or non-game days, practice days, they are working them and grinding them and coaching them and teaching them. And then on game day, they're stepping back yep. because they know the system. Now they might step aside and be like, hey, your platform's on the wall. You know, just little tweaks is fine. But the coaches you struggle with are the ones that are frantic up and down, losing it. And I laugh thinking about myself coaching little kids for a period of time when I got done. Unfortunately, I was, I, I know I coached the kids well. I was just, I would still lose patience, but now with kids, usually just officials, right? So nothing towards the kids. It was the officials I got upset with. Um, but yeah, so the, those, those coaches that understand or leaders or bosses, however you know, that understand that you're equipping them with the right tools and you've got to step back and let them do their job. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, and then courage, you know, the podcast is about the courage to lead and what it takes to be a courageous leader. Uh, we talk a lot about intellectual courage, right? Having the courage to set aside your long held beliefs to make room for new knowledge that comes in. You talked about that earlier, how innovate, constantly grow. Don't, don't rest on this is what I used to do or how we used to do it. Put that aside, you know, open up for, for new things. The discipline courage to set a goal for yourself and go after that goal. Even if you stumble, even if you fall, even if there are bright, shiny objects running around, stay on track, right? To get to it. Uh, Moral courage, social courage, all those things. Is there a type of courage you think is most important for entrepreneurs? With entrepreneurs, I think there ends up being this blurred conversation of like, you know, just go do it, right? There's, there's, I'm not telling anyone to have blind courage, right? It's, it still needs to be calculated with, you know, deliverable actions behind it, right? But sure. if you live in a world where you're afraid to go try something, you're just, you're going to get stuck. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I would be doing if I wouldn't have taken some risks kind of along the way. And I still am constantly trying to try, I'm like, okay, what can I do to kind of step a little farther, right? Mm-hmm. What's that next risk. And right now it's, I mean, like I said, it's trying to figure out a way around coaching and mentoring. Right. And so what's that look like? Is it really much of a risk? Probably not, but still in your head, you're trying to figure out, okay, what are those steps and what's going to happen next to step out and, and have the courage to kind of take that next leap into, I mean, cause kind of like with you at this podcast, probably when you started, there had to be a little bit of courage of like, all right, I'm putting myself out there. Sure. Especially now with social media and everything else for every critique and what people think and all their um, constructive feedback, right? There's all the good stuff you get. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> I know. Um, and so it is. It's one of those that uh, don't be afraid to try to do things to learn new things. I mean, uh, if so, you're just going to get stuck in a rut. Absolutely. And so, you know, usually when you talk about courage, people think of physical courage, right? Like we're talking about the firefighters who run towards <laughs> the fire yes. set of running away. Um, right. Six, seven, people probably think you're physically courageous and everything like that. Is that something that comes easy for you or? Physically courageous? I was probably a lot more physically courageous before my knees and back felt like I was <laughs> 60 and I'm 40, almost 43. Um, no. I don't know. The, the tricky part is when you're big, you carry a presence, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that I, from a physical standpoint, I've stepped back at times from trying to project and utilize that type of um, physical courage. Uh, most of the things now that I'm trying to do courage wise is to challenge myself to take risks professionally. 
Um, and probably more along the lines of parenting as well, right? When you've got, like I said, almost 20 year old and he's in that balance of school, but also just joined the Air Force Reserves. But I think the longer he's involved with Air Force Reserves, he's trying to figure out how much he loves that. So you're trying to be like, hey, you want you, whatever feels right for you and you need to go take that challenge, do it. But wait a second, my parenting world says, hey, go to college, go to college, go to college, right? So you're kind of playing all these different pieces. At the same time, you've got daughters that are going through things and it's trying to, get them to understand, hey, don't be afraid to take some risks, right? Because mistakes and failure are how you learn, right? As long as you do it the right way. Exactly. Yeah, and learn from the mistakes. You know, fall down as often as possible, I think. I mean, that's where you learn. If everything is going smooth, you never learn anything. It's when you fail that you actually learn. Um, Empathetic courage, understanding, you know, hey, I've been through this myself, right? So, and be able to set your your feelings and emotions aside to make room for their feelings and emotions. But then at some point, like you said, step back in and be a father. Hey, I understand. I've been through this myself. I know what it's like, but here's what I need you to do. Right. Right. Um, Empathetic courage. I haven't heard it that way. I like that. It's good. Is there a type of courage you think is easier for you? Oh, if you're really doing something courageous, is it ever easy? I don't know if that's right. I mean, Oh, goodness. I don't think there is. I mean, I think it's always a, if you're really being courageous, you're stepping out, right? You're trying something different or you're pushing the envelope. If it's physical or empathetic or whatever. I mean, I think that I never heard the term empathetic courage. I like it because I think about, I've gone through quite a few different experiences over the past. I mean, I'm I'm not saying I'm I'm old, but I've experienced a lot in these 42 and a half years to, uh, wow, almost 43 years, like I said, but uh, to be able to un- come from a place of understanding a lot of different scenarios. And I think, especially in the past 10 years, I've put myself in so many different places professionally that I can understand, yeah, man, I know that picking up the phone 30 times a day sucks and it usually doesn't work, but it's a learning experience that you've got to go through. Wait a second. I'm not doing that anymore, but you've got to do it. Right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> no. And I think, I think you're right. I mean, that's, you know, drawing on that experience and saying, Hey, I know what it's like. I think that would make you, you know, a good leader. Um, so what's next for you? I mean, with all the stuff you've done and you, you talked about being a coach and now are you uh, going to go take some classes in that? Or are you going to get certified? Um, it's funny. So I know, you know, my friend Stan, and he's done some certifications and things like that. I haven't decided that. I've got a couple of groups I'm meeting with now that uh, I think one of the groups would equip you with it. The other one would not. Uh, one would be a brand that you kind of carry and do it. And the other one is you're building it on your own, right? So I've kind of got both ends of the spectrum. My day-to-day focus are these teenagers and my wife and, um, and then QTech, right? I mean, those are, the, those are the key pieces. And so I'm trying to kind of see what's next and build and grow while uh, really trying to grow QTech. I mean, it's, like I said, it's one of those that you can't turn on the news now without some fire or something going on out here that it's, it's such a necessary situation to kind of see if you can help in any manner. So build that out and then kind of build myself along the way. Right. Excellent. So, yeah. Good stuff. Now, are you able to help them with business processes and stuff? I know that's one of your. Yeah. So early on, I was over there more, uh, trying to find one to go back. It's a lot easier to do that in person, mm-hmm. um, sitting there face-to-face with team internally. 
but uh, you know, just trying to keep a pulse on different things, learn these crazy RFP processes that are different between every stinking state and federal level. Yep. Uh, so you can put a process around things like that, right? And then um, internally, they've got such a good team. Uh, he's got an operations guy that's fantastic over there. So he's dealing with most of those types of processes in there. Yes. And uh, so it's been, it's nice. We'll see, we'll see where it all goes, but I feel very, very optimistic about the direction and, and the opportunity in front of us. So it's good. Excellent. Yeah. Well, like I said, I love the website. I love the, the core values and the culture you guys have going there and stuff. So I think it's going to be a good run. Very nice. Yeah. Um, good. So cool. So if people want to connect with you or follow your career, can they do that on, or you're on LinkedIn, right? I'm on LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, one of the next steps, if I go down this coaching path is, is ramping up social media. I'll be honest. Most of my social media over the past two or three years has been uh, to keep up with the, my kids' sports. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm on all the different social media areas linkedin business wise is what i use i mean i'm on it daily yeah. and uh, it's actually became a pretty good tool as of late and um yeah i mean i'm pretty easy to hunt down so excellent very cool well i will have uh if that's okay i'll have your linkedin that'd link be great in the in the okay. show notes email or i'll that. let you provide whatever you'd like to it'd be fantastic i mean that'd i can awesome. give out my phone number <laughs> Cool. We'll sell that on eBay. So that'll be okay. Great. Good job. All right, Fred, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking time out. I know how busy you are and everything. It's Um, been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you having me on. Sure. No, this is great. We'll look forward to having you back once you get your, uh, your coaching going and stuff. Any books in the works or anything like that? No, it's so funny. I've I've never had that itch. And then over the past few months, I've had three or four people bring it up. So now Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that's kind of trickling in the background. Um, I don't know. I guess I just never found anything that interesting. I've just kind of been always looking forward. And uh, I think it's when you take time to reflect on kind of where you've been and uh, what's happening, it could probably add some value. So we'll see. Who knows? I know, I know Stan's big in the book world. He'll probably talk me into one of these days. So Absolutely. Cool. Well, when you get the book done, we'll have you back on. All right. All right. Sounds great. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right, listeners. Hope you guys appreciate this uh, show. Hope you're taking notes. A lot of good takeaways here. Um, if you did like the episode, definitely share it with your family, friends, and colleagues. And stick around because there's always more coming. And that's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. 